Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Boneville, home of cousins Phony, Smiley, and Phonebone. Today, we're delighted to have comic genius Jeff Smith in the studio. Jeff first published his saga about the Crazy Bone Cousins in comic book form in 1991. Part comedy and part dark fantasy thriller, the story of Boneville has since been adapted into a graphic novel series by Scholastic. As Time Magazine wrote, Jeff's creation is, quote, as sweeping as the Lord of the Rings cycles, but much funnier. Now, Jeff has entered the realm of picture books with Smiley's Dream Book, which he'll tell us about today. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the program. Hi, Suzanne. It's great to have you here. One of the pioneers in graphic novels. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't like the way these questions are going. <laughs> it is very nice to be here. I'm, I'll be serious. Well, tell us about your pioneering work with the Bone series and tell us about the genesis of that. The, the, bone, the bone characters were, um, they're these little, for lack of a better way to describe them, like Smurf-like little tiny hu- characters. They're not really animals. They're, they're bones. They look like cartoon bones. And I made them up when I was very young, like like. Between like five and seven years old, I was I was drawing these characters. the The current version of them that uh, star in the Scholastic series started out is in the comic book world, where I had this idea to do a giant single story, like a a, a begin a story with a beginning and a middle and an end, a literary structure, which was quite uncommon in comic books in the eighties and nineties, because back then. You know, Spider-Man and Clark Kent are the same age they were in 1940 and 1960, you know. Um, and the characters are just never-ending. And that's kind of the magic of that kind of a story. But I was interested, along with a, a group of my peers, in creating author-driven stories that had literary structure. So that it took me 12 years to tell the Bone story in the comic book world and as I neared the end, I got a phone call from Scholastic. Oh, my gosh. Well, now the series has been compared to The Lord of the Rings. Which is cool. <laughs> I like The Lord I, of the Rings. I think that is very cool. Could you tell us why? Uh, it, because um, I, I have this love of not only the traditional cartoon characters like Bugs Bunny and Mickey Mouse, you know, the big nose, big foot school, um, but I also love... Uh, really the European fantasy folklore tradition, uh, which is exemplified by Tolkien's Lord of the Rings in prose. But in comics, there was also a tradition in the 70s and 80s of uh, French-speaking artists like Mobius and Bilal, these guys who did their own magazines, uh, which we call heavy metal, but it was Metal Herland. And they drew these very believable and beautiful fantasy worlds 
for grown-ups. And that was an amazing thing. And I was a junior in high school when Heavy Metal came out. And I was still drawing my Bone characters. And I thought if I could mix those two things, I read The Lord of the Rings that summer. And that was 1977. That was the summer Star Wars came out. So there you go. Heavy Metal, Mickey Mouse, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and my head exploded. When you first started drawing, did you have an audience in mind, like kids or everyone or adults? No, I, I was thinking more like for everyone, because the comics I enjoyed were like the ones in the newspaper, Peanuts. Uh, I, that was way before Calvin and Hobbes, but that kind of a comic. So my interest was, yeah, the general audience, because the newspaper comic strips were meant for not only the kids, but for the the, the adults who were paying for it. So you had a mix of, you know, Steve Canyon, Terry and the Pirates, and Peanuts, and all ages. And all ages could find humor or adventure in them. And that's what I was going for. And who were some of your favorite cartoonists when you were a kid? Well, right off the bat, Charles Schultz uh, with Peanuts. Uh, there's a comic strip that's kind of forgotten now, uh, but it was called Pogo by Walt Kelly. Beautiful comic. It's, it was very tied to its times. It was political, but the drawings were lush, thick and thin brushstrokes. He came out of the Disney studios where he worked on, you know, Dumbo and that kind of stuff. That was a big influence. And then comic books, the, the, the Donald Duck comics, especially the ones drawn by an anonymous artist at the time named Carl Barks. And, um, but all of us kids knew him as the good duck artist. So I, that was the kind of stuff I really loved. That is funny. Now you're moving down into the picture book realm here with Smiley's Dream Book. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, Bone, as I said, had a beginning and a middle and an end. And after nine books, I reached the end of the story. And it was an ending that I had written 12 years earlier, but I finally got to it. And uh, the books were popular, and Scholastic wanted to do some more Bone stuff. I wanted to draw the characters, but I did not want to do a sequel to a 1,400-page story. <laughs> <laughs> so my editors at Scholastic came up with the idea of doing a children's book. And so I've done two now. Neither of them are actually, actually come out yet, but the first one is coming out July 31st. Now, why did Smiley get the nod? Smiley got the nod because um, it took me a little while to figure out how to do a children's book because I think the first couple of ideas I turned in, they were politely handed back to me and says, this is not a children's book, this is a comic book. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to kind of retwist my thinking and make my ideas simpler but still have a story. And I started thinking like, when I was a kid and the stories I used to draw these bone characters doing, and one of them was Flying Dreams. And Smiley I picked because of the three bone cousins. He's the one who's the most individualistic. He's the one who's the most kind of imaginative or free-spirited. And he can solo easier than Phone Bone or Phony Bone, the two other stars, who are kind of yin and yang of each other, and they need each other to tell a story. Whereas Smiley can kind of go on his own, so that <laughs> oh, was it. Oh, that's really interesting. All right, well, we would love for you to read an excerpt. I will. There are not a lot of words in here, so you will be spared <laughs> hearing me speak too much right. here. But it starts off with Smiley Bone on a beautiful sunny day taking a walk in the woods. And he can hear some birds singing in the trees. And he says, what a beautiful day for a walk in the woods. Listen to all the birds singing. I wonder how many there are. And there are birds singing, and there's one has a little top hat on. But he decides to count the birds. One, two, three, four. He ends up climbing up in a tree because the birds are starting to play with them a little bit, and they're kind of going up higher and pulling them up into the tree. Uh, four, five, six. There's a bird 
singing with a hat, another hat, seven, eight, nine, and suddenly Smiley's out, out the top of the tree and following the birds into the air. He's still counting, nine, 10, 11, 12, and then suddenly a swarm of birds surround him and they're all singing and there's so many that he just says, oh well, I guess there's a lot of birds singing. And he rolls over and he just goes with the flow and begins to fly with the birds. Aw. Well, you do have some menacing animal characters in your books. Well, you can't have a good story <laughs> without a little trouble. And their eyes. Oh, and my I'm, gosh. And I'm particularly known for wanting to do scary things, too. So, Do you dream about the bone characters? No, not, not usually. No. no. But uh, actually... When I'm going to sleep at night, or uh, that is when I usually do think of what am I going to do with the bones tomorrow? I start thinking of storylines and, and drift off to sleep that way so, quite a bit. Uh-huh. And I do get, I do get answers in dreams sometimes. Oh, that's very cool. What do you think of the genre of the graphic novel and how it has evolved and where it's headed? It's the best. It's great, and it's going to the top. <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> uh, the the reason I like it is I'll try not to you know get too inside baseball because there's a lot about the actual art form that really I think uh, jazzes me up. You know everything from the panels to panel, how far you move a character uh, can really manipulate time and tell stories. And because the images and the words work together, you. The words are important, but the pictures tell just as much story. Because you, have, you read them simultaneously almost and make a jump to the next panel, you engage a part of your brain that's, well, let me, let me compare it to like watching a movie. If you're watching a movie, it's washing over you. It's a very passive experience. It can be quite exciting, but the director's making all the decisions and he's, try, and he's hitting all your buttons. When you're reading a graphic novel, it's not passive. You are making the timing decisions. If if somebody's you know standing in one picture, but he's on the ground in the next panel, you have to make him fall. You participated, so it's a it's it's different than film, and it's different than prose. But it's the best of both. And as someone who's good, who really gets it, can completely take you on a journey. That's so true. It's, it's magic when those images move in your mind. It is a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, it's well, the strangest thing, too, is that I've been with Scholastic now for over 15 years, I think. There's a new generation of first and second graders all the time. It's amazing. <laughs> and when I go to shows, I'll have a, a big line of people coming. And it's a mix of 30-year-old guys with tattoos and moms with their little kids. And the little kids are really fun, especially little girls that are like five or seven. And they're holding like, you know, the whole series in their arms. And because they're little girls, they don't actually say anything. I'll say, oh, did you read that whole thing? And they'll just look at me and nod their head. Uh, but they don't say anything. And they don't make a sound. And then um, and I sign their books for them. And later, the mom will come up to me and said, I don't, she didn't say anything while she was there, but she just was so happy and excited afterwards. And I just had to come back and tell you that. Aww. So they, oh, I don't know. So they sweet. have fun. That's so sweet. In terms of you at that age, somehow I can imagine you doodling in class. Yes, I was a, <laughs> I was a troublemaking doodler. I, I'll tell you a funny story. I had a, a friend from like elementary school uh, and she, I hadn't talked to her since, you know, since this high school days, but her son 
uh, really is into comics and he, he liked Bone. And so she wrote to me and said, hi, how you been? I, you know, I know about the Bone books. My son's a big fan, but I have a favor to ask. He gets in trouble for writing, drawing cartoons on his uh, math papers and all his school papers. Could you write to him and tell him not to do that? And I said, I'm sorry, I can't do that. That's, that's where I did my best work. <laughs> <laughs> I can well imagine. What sort of formal training did you have, though? None. Just copying the artists that I like. You know, I, you know, there, I mean, now there are, you know, you can get college majors in cartooning and animation. When uh, there was nothing like that when when I was young. Uh, just look at uh, look at whoever stuff you like. Like I said, I like this Walt Kelly, and I like Carl uh, Barks, and I try so hard my whole life to draw exactly like them, but I fail. But the failure, that's my style, is my, me failing to, to draw like my heroes. Gosh, I think that's actually kind of comforting to aspiring illustrators. What are you working on now? Well, uh, I, I have a second children's book. The, the next one, I won't give too much away, but it stars all three Bone Cousins. Um, and again, it's, it's based off of an idea of a story I wrote when I was like nine years old and kind of then turned into a children's book. So that's coming up. And, uh, and I'm working on a new graphic novel project, which is still in the development stages. Wow, very exciting. What different parts of the brain do you use doing a picture book versus a graphic novel? I have found that basically I just turn into a nine-year-old, whether <laughs> I'm doing graphic novels uh. or this. I, I still use, this is basically still a, a comic book. I mean, they talk in... It's just like each one of these is a panel. They talk in word balloons. And I found a way to turn my cartooning brain into a children's book brain. Then Cassandra let me do it. So it's her fault. <laughs> yes, Cassandra, it is your fault. Cassandra Pelham, we should say, Jeff's editor, is in the house. Cassandra, what's it like working with this genius here? It is working on Jeff Smith is a dream come true. I've been reading his books for a long time and to get to work with him has been amazing and just seeing him basically launch the graphics imprint in 2005 and working with him throughout the years has been really great. Thank you, Cassandra. It has been very satisfying. We've been doing it like I th- yeah, like I said for like 13 years. And part of the most satisfying thing to me has been the continuation to have like Kazu Kebushi was his amulet books, and then Raina Telgemeier with her skyrocketing books that are just beloved. I, I've actually made appearances with both those two. At uh, they were touring across the country one time, and they came uh, to a city in a suburb near where I would live, and they called me up and said, "Do you want to just come out and do this?" So the three of us walked out in this library, and there was I don't know, like a hundred people crammed in this library. And I'll tell you what, we walked out on stage, and Raina went first. And you would have thought the Beatles had just walked out. These little kids went crazy. They went crazy. Gasps. Gasps. It was really, truly fun. So uh, I'm very excited and happy. And I feel like uh, this tradition is going to really keep going and take off. Well, congratulations. We're so proud. Oh, thank you, Suzanne. Thanks again to Jeff Smith for joining us. And thank you for listening. To learn more about Jeff's work, Check the show notes or go to scholasticreads.com. Don't miss an episode of Scholastic Reads. Find us and subscribe in your favorite podcast app, and each episode will automatically be delivered to your phone. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow 
sound engineers Daniel Jordan and Chris Johnson, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.